Welcome to the High Octane Hour. I'm James. And I'm Kuba. And with us today we have... Ray. Hello everyone. It's good to be here. Pleasure to have you, Ray. Ray, before we get into who you are and what we do, how do you know our coast... Our host, James. Yes. Our coast. Our coast. Coast to coast. <laughs> coast to coast. West coast. Hold up. Uh, I have the privilege of being in his classes. Uh, and we've also been going to sea shanties recently. So Sea shanties. No way. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah it's, pretty, it's been pretty yeah. good. I've been, I've been enjoying it, you know. Yeah. I just wasn't into the lame speech they made at the start. We were, we were connecting to our ancestral roots, you know. Uh, your Viking <laughs> roots? or? Oh, uh, yeah. A little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. And then the half is like, yeah, warriors. <laughs> so what's it, what's it like being in a TAFE classroom with James? It's an experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he makes some good points. Uh, what I like about James is he's very, like, he's very blunt and he says what he means and he's, uh, he said, let me start again. He says what he means and he, uh, he means, means what, what he, he says. says. Yeah, like, like, we're very similar in that way. So, we've spent a lot of time in our group assessments just procrastinating and talking, talking shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps me on my feet. <laughs> you made me come in on my day off just so we could talk shit. We we had a, a group study oh, that yeah. nothing was done. It was pretty bad, but yeah. we yeah we talked about more important things for sure, like autism mm. yeah. and, and and anime titties. So yes, social yes. justice things yeah. like that. Yeah. Of course, yeah, 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 things that are really like changing the way we see the world. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. that's it. Because that's what we're all about. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm just. I'm. I'm just imagining right now being James's um, teacher in TAFE. Like that can't be. Easy. Oh, it can't be great oh. for your mental health. Yeah. Imagine yeah. like a big, like two-year-old. Should we tell them the uh, story, the quick story about um, how we were doing our meetings and uh, we had to do like the consultations? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You should um, do it from your point of view. So, I was sitting there. We had to sit in a meeting consultations and James was supposed to be being the team leader. And then beside him was another person at TAFE who was like the outreach worker and I was like the disability advocate. And so, so was you love disabled people? <laughs> it was it was a it was who a role play. We all yeah, oh, okay. Exactly. She just loves being disabled. That's like, it. That's what it's yeah. about. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it's advocating for disability. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've been listening to the, the little podcast too much, haven't you? Yes, I have. Oh no. And so um what ended up happening was uh James was saying some things. I, I couldn't believe it. There was a point in the where he was saying, you know, someone's like, why do I have to be here? Because you get given like a little sheet that tells you actually what you're supposed to be saying right. and how you're supposed to be acting. And on the outreach worker, which I wasn't at the time, but it's like you're supposed to be acting like you're not interested in being there and you're supposed to be confrontational. And on the disability advocate, you're supposed to be advocating for the person who is the client who has a disability and it's for disability parking. Anyway... So, James is sitting there and he's, he's I, and I feel like with James, he does, he, he looks at you because that's his sign of respect, right? And so, he's <laughs> looking at me talking and very intensely and, I, and I'm giving him a bit of shit. I'm giving him a bit of flack because yeah. he's supposed to. But there was a point in time where he turns to the outreach worker and he says something that I just didn't expect. And I'm trying so hard not to piss myself in this role play and he's going, you know, the reason why I brought you in here, he takes a pause and he goes, is because I believe in you. I believe in you, Mason. Like, it was hilarious. It was the best thing ever. Um, but the teacher actually well, pulled me aside later and she said, is, J- is James okay? Like, you know, is he intimidating to you? Because I saw him staring you down and uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so, this is, this is one of the problems I have 
with TAFE is... That you're autistic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got, I got learning difficulties. My mum yeah. got me vaccinated. So, what do you expect? Yeah, multiple times. Multiple times. Like, unnecessarily vaccinated. Yeah. My, my cat got vaccinate, vaccinated the other day. Oh, no. It started... Showing signs. It's watching anime now. Mm. Yeah. It started lifting. Did it start lifting? Not not lifting, but it just it doesn't like to go outside anymore. It's yeah. really good at math. Yeah. And trains. And it can't it doesn't speak much, right? Like no, it just it's not as verbal. It, it's kinda of like oo and all that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uwu. Yeah. And it's watching TikToks, yeah. So yeah. Well, unironically. Actually Naruto. Oh no, yeah. Does does your cat run with like it, two, yeah, it runs arm, like this now. Two yeah. hands behind its back. I think you back. should look into euthanasia at that, that point. That's it, that's it. That's it. Not youth in Africa. <laughs> but yeah, um, so one of the one of the problems I got with it is uh, we have a teacher there who she's made it known that a part of her culture uh, eye eye contact is confrontational. Mm. So what culture is this? So Juanita and I are actually uh, well the teacher and I are both uh, we're both Maori. I'm half. She's oh sorry. Yeah. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll look at the ground. Yeah, no, um, yeah. it's okay. I don't okay. mind, like, because I was raised here, and like, I mean, my mum, my mum did never showed anything. She'd stare me down, like that's how I knew she was, you know, like serious. Right, right. Um, and and when when Maori people do it, their eyes go like fucking plates. It's insane. It's sca- the scariest shit, you know. It's a but it's them um, is very intimidating. And so Anita goes, she pulls me aside, and she goes, oh, you know, it was intimidating. Go, James is one of my he's one of my good mates, like. Yeah. I know when he's looking at that, it's a sign of respect for him. And a lot of people here, it's the very same. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's very intense. Yes. Can I, can I just, um, I, I, want, I want you to help me understand this. So I'm looking at you now, right? Yeah. And you can tell I'm not trying to be intimidating yeah. and I'm open. Oh, I, and I, I saw, I don't see you staring or like looking at someone as right. being intimidating. Now in the Maori culture, can I look at James like this with respect? Can I look at you with respect? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time. Yeah. I don't think it's like a big Right. I don't think it's a big thing, but I think it's but more so if you're like staring intensely at someone. Do you know what I mean? To be intimidating? Yeah. But do oh, so that's considered be- super disrespectful in that culture. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, I think it's not really disrespectful. It's more so you're showing signs of like being threatening. So like if I was staring right. at you like intensely, eyebrows like kind of down kind yeah. of thing. But sometimes people are just intensely concentrating on someone okay. or the conversation I find. So it's like for me, I don't really notice it as much, but I think from their perspective, like I... I haven't lived in New Zealand, but I would say that maybe because I mean, my mum sometimes doesn't like it when people stare at her. But like, it's not. Right. It's very different. It's not like it's a very different stare. It's like the arch down eyebrows. Well, I mean, very different from what James is doing in any culture. You know, someone's staring at you aggressively, like they want to fight you. No, but so she's made it known that just prolonged eye contact is considered confrontational <laughs> but the reason why this I, is your teacher yes yeah. the reason gotcha. why i got really upset at this is she's pushing her culture into the marking criteria mm-hmm. so she actually put it down in my feedback that had intense eye contact and appeared confrontational yeah when i is tried at the point no i tried to explain to her i was like you know in australian culture which is where we are we're in australia eye contact is a sign of respect and if you look away when someone's talking to you that's actually quite disrespectful yeah to be fair though wasn't this dr- drill about confrontation drills on drills on oh it no, was no, no. more so yeah. that you're supposed to give the team leader a bit of confrontation to see how they handle it in like a meeting setting, but right. it's not supposed to be directly for conflict. It's okay. more so that we've covered conflict resolution and things. So I think right. they were trying to see how you, it's like a communications class. So it's more gotcha. like you're trying to like mitigate like the actual, I don't know. James can be pretty intimidating though. Yeah. But 
I mean, at the end of the day, I was like, you know, I know it wasn't intimidating. So yeah. it wasn't, I think it was just more so like her thinking of me as like this young girl who's like being stared. She's like, oh, you know, she was staring you more right? at you. Oh yeah. Look, I needed, yeah, I needed yeah. therapy after it. Yeah. That's all right. I, well, I know someone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know nice. a guy. <laughs> it's James. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. a therapist. Imagine if James is your therapist. <laughs> What the fuck do you want? What's go, your problem? I'm gonna fix you. We're going to war. Come with me. Good. We're gonna do jujitsu. You've got we're some gonna do jujitsu, and then we're gonna go for a ten mile run, and then we're gonna vape. <laughs> vape nation. And if you've got problems with people, just like crack, you know, crack their head open. That's it's all it. good. That's it. <laughs> so, what brings you? Now you explain that you're at TAFE with James, and yeah. you share a few classes with him. Yeah. What brings you to TAFE? What subject are you doing, and why are you doing it? Um, doing community services, Cert 4. Uh, so I guess I was just interested in doing something. I've been uh, in and out of uh, things since high school. I did nursing for a, a fair amount of time. And I guess after I finished nursing, I was like, I've got to do something. I've got to do something that keeps my mind active. And I'm pretty passionate about people and like making a change and actually doing something that's actually very different. Um and trying to create change in people, I think that's pretty important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Why did you leave nursing? Nursing was hard because it's one of those jobs where it's very physically and mentally demanding. Um, and it's very underappreciated. You're not paid enough for half the shit that you put up with. I mean... Uh, it's it's interesting. It's a it's a fantastic career, but you really have to be so invested in it in twenty four seven, especially depending on what kind of nursing you did as well. So like a lot of mine, I was doing like accident emergency triage. So I was seeing kind oh, of so like you were working in a hospital. Yeah, yeah. I was oh wow. In a hospital, okay. Yeah. Okay. And because you're quite young, so yeah. do you want to explain the difference differences between uh, an RN and what you yeah. were? Oh, yeah. so I was what's considered an EN. So I actually finished at TAFE. Um, okay. I started at TAFE. I've got nursing. a mate that wants to do this exact same thing. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. No, you're right. So what I had to do is I, when I was in year 10, I ended up doing this thing that's called a TVET course. And basically you start doing instead of a subject. So I dropped maths. So I was like, I, I can't get out of maths quick enough, yeah, yeah. Uh, which evidently you do need maths and nursing, but it's, it's very like simple stuff that you can pick up anyway. So it's not the big, it's uh, not that big of a deal. Right. So the difference between an EN and an RN is that an EN has less responsibilities. Whereas an RN is like you're looking after people's oxygen, you're distributing them, you know, all sorts of medication. You're kind of, you've got more of like an actual consultation uh, vibe about it. <laughs> right. So you're um, there to like, like you're, you're almost like their friend more. Like um, you're around them. Like, yeah, you're I mean, not the person like writing stuff down. Or, oh yeah. As an oh. EN, you still write things down. Yeah. So are you that person that walks around with the portable blood pressure thing? And That's what every nurse does. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're an EN or if you're an RN, a lot of the time you're still doing so that. So I'm guessing is one of the differences you can't give drugs? Yeah. So like I couldn't administer things. So say for example, an RN would come over and if you needed to have something through your IV administered, they have to do it. Okay. I couldn't do it. Um, so yeah, there are different, there are different state, there are like different levels of responsibilities that are okay. expe expected of you if you're an RN. Right. But if somebody needed to be moved to a different bed, you would be there to help them. Oh yeah. You can do that as an assistant in nursing because okay. that's just manual handling. They've got, they've got um, orderlies. So there's people in hospitals that their job is to wheel them 
from their room to the theatre to get surgery. That's a job. It's yeah. called an orderly. They call it like an e- like an ESO. Right. Who handles the most piss? Um, that's sick <laughs> I as, would <laughs> sick as piss. <laughs> I would say it's actually more of the assistants, and I'll tell you why. Because it's kind of like you know when you do hairdressing, or like you know you've seen of how course. like like the, it's like the trainees. Like they're always stuck doing the jobs that no one else wants to do. Every nurse does it, but to be honest, I would say it's more of like the assistant and enrolled nurses. Whoever's kind of more there, I think usually, but it's mostly the assistants because they're trying to like pick up. Right, right. Yeah. So no one likes the piss. No. Okay. <laughs> it's the less. It's the less. Uh, I thought it would be doo doo. I'd sign up just for the piss. For the piss. Yeah. To oh. get pissed on. Oh yeah. You see piss, shit, vomit, all sometimes all three at once. You know, it's oh. it's like some exorcism Hell stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. like. I saw a guy. I was at hospital recently because my mum undercooked the turkey. Sorry, mum. We'll edit that out. We'll edit that out. Um, I may or may not have gotten salmonella from my mother's cooking. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Um, poor thing. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, what did, what did she make you? Turkey. I thought she was pregnant. <laughs> That's why you were saying she undercooked. I was like, did you like, yeah, have a premature sibling? Yeah, like, what's well, no, going well, on I'm, I, I came out undercooked as well. So, like, I, I don't know. If you like turned a, out great, though. It's a theme. Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah, full head of hair. <laughs> and yeah. a beard. Yeah. <laughs> barely. Barely a beard. Um. Yeah, so I had the IV in because mm-hmm. they had to flush me and I was wrecked. Mm-hmm. And there was a bloke there and he had come in off the street. Right. And um, I felt really he didn't sorry come for on the, the street? He pro- <laughs> to be honest, he probably did. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't know if that's why he was in there or not, but he came in and he had a... He couldn't, sp- like he couldn't speak, so he had to write stuff down. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, why can't he speak? Did he not learn? But apparently he had the tracheotomy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... This guy, he had like a um, a vacuum mm-hmm. that he would suck mucus out of his tracheotomy. Oh, right. Oh, and I think okay. he was a smoker and he had a mirror. So, he would always carry a mirror with him, yeah. a notepad so he could write stuff down and then something to suck mucus out of his neck yeah, right. hole. Mm. Um, and um, I remember seeing it and just thinking like, fuck. You man. wanted to stick your dick in it, didn't you? Yes. I think there's a part of you that always thinks that, like those Terry smoking ads. So you're like, oh, she looks a bit freaky, you know? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Like old mate Brian. Probably, probably that, not the first thought, but you know, that that was as an afterthought. It was hectic. It was yeah. hectic, and I'm like, fuck, I feel really bad for that bloke. Um, but yeah, like I wasn't prepared for that. That's for sure. I I can't imagine. Like you, you must have seen some shit that you weren't prepared for. Oh. You, you've got to tell us some stories. Oh man, okay. Oh well, where do I start? I think orange story. The or- oh, I told James this one uh, not that long ago. We were all sitting around. Of course, we should have been doing work. But I'm like, hey, do you want to hear about the time when a guy had an orange stuck up his ass, like an actual navel orange? So and navels aren't small. No, no, they're not. And uh, so uh, one night I was working. Uh, I was working at Triage, and this guy comes over. And he's sitting uncomfortably because we had used to have these chairs and any hospital you'll see there's red chairs and there's black chairs. The red chairs are for like triage and the hospital that I worked at used to have like a ticket system. So you'd sign in, you know, you'd say, oh, blah, 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 blah. You'd give them your details. They'd give you a ticket number. You'd go sit down. So then the, uh, then the Ian and the RN on duty would, who, who were doing triage, they would look at it and they'd be like, oh, here you go, you know. And they would look you over and then they would try and assign where you were best, you know. Anyway, so this man presents and he's sitting uncomfortably in these red chairs and he keeps <laughs> he keeps moving. And I'm like, damn, dude's got ants in his pants. It's like, actually, at first I thought he was on drugs because that's a very common thing. Very twitchy, itchy, yeah. itching his arms a bit. So I'm like, this dude's on drugs, like clearly. And you because know what? Of the Probably air. both. 
honestly, I think to fit an orange up your ass, like you probably had to have taken yeah. something. But he was <laughs> he was very twitchy, and so you know he's, he's a middle aged man. I'm I'm gonna guess about fifty. Yeah. And so never uh, too old for something new. Yeah, exactly. Look, I mean, you know, next week you can always you can always try it out. Um, it. I'll be a spotter <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Get it, get it ready, like you know, in case it doesn't come out properly. Call me if you need it out. So I will. Uh, basically, what happened was he's sitting down. He's he, he's again squirming, so his ticket gets caught up, and he's just going, "I need to see a doctor." And we're going, "Okay, yeah, yeah, we can sort that out for you." But first, we're gonna have to, you know, see what the problem is, so we can see where you can actually be sorted to and who you can go to to best help you. And he's going, "No, I don't think you understand. I need to see a doctor now." And he's getting very irritated. And we're like, "All right, like you, you really need to calm down because, like, we also have security there. They'll, they'll happily. We've had to. We, and uh, that's another story I can go into. But we, we will happily tell someone that they need to like get the fuck out if it presents an issue. <clears throat> Sound, sounds like meth to me, but go on. Oh, so, yeah. um, anyway, so he's sitting there Past and he's experience. getting his and he's getting his blood test. He's getting his blood pressure taken. He's having all his signs and obs taken, and we're asking him questions. And then he says, "Look, to be honest with you, he goes, my wife was in Melbourne, <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> and he goes, I don't. He goes, I just the wife see was away. He goes, the wife was away, and he goes, but I just want to see a doctor. And she's going, okay, but you need to tell me. And he goes, can we go into another room? And we're like, oh yeah, okay. So we walk into another room and she goes, is it okay if, and I, uh, you know, you're saying, is it okay if Ian comes in, which is me. And then he goes, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Just, I need a fucking doctor. And so <laughs> he's trying to like show her, he's going, I put something up. I put something up there. And she goes, gaped. She goes, what do you mean you put something up there? And he's going, I put something up my ass. And she's going, and it's not coming out. She's like, if you tried this, if you tried laxatives, because at first she thought it was shit. Like she thought it was like maybe that he was so high that like he, he was just he couldn't shit like yeah. he was constipated yeah and and he's going no I shoved he's like I shoved something up my ass and I can't get it out <laughs> and so anyway we're dragged we're like all right uh, we can't deal with this guy anymore hey when that happens so basically what ended up happening was a doctor comes in and he's going look mate you know I'm blah 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 I'm here to have a look and so he lies him down and On this all dude fours? is scream. Well, he's lying down like just normally and his legs Like he's about to give birth. (laughs) (laughs) So did they have the stirrups in? So he's doing full spread eagle? Oh, we were holding his legs back so he could have a look. It was very... (laughs) Yummy, (laughs) yummy. (laughs) I just wanted to have a look to see what what the situation was, okay? And so they've got him spread and then you see this like a little orange opening. (laughs) And the, and the doctor goes, mate... You need to tell me what's up there. And he goes, it's an orange. And he goes, what do you mean an orange? He said, like an orange, like a fruit. He goes, yeah. And so, oh, it was just the oh. most mentally disturbing image how, you can imagine. How, how big was this orange? Oh, I, I, So, I didn't see it like until it fully came out. But Ooh, at the time, I thought it was when it came of, out? It was a little bit. But what happened was the doctor goes... Was there poo-poo on it? <laughs> it would have had <laughs> Let to... Let me squ- get to that. Sorry, sorry, oh. So, basically, like I ended up saying... All right, he like turns to the, you know, turns to the iron and goes, You're gonna have to call this person, you're gonna have to call the surgeon, you might have to try and do like a, you know, manual like and they were calling the surgeon more so just for like a a, a quick consultation, like, am I going to rip the gu- this guy's butthole open? Because there is a, you know, the shrinkter. There's a ch- there's a chance that maybe it wouldn't actually open because we're lubing it up trying to physically, you know. Is it going Oh, oh so oh, ma- oh, oh. maybe that's why he comes in. <laughs> he can he can get like 
two two nurses to like shove yeah. fingers up his ass. Oh god! To get what him if out? you got the ugly nurses? Like, what if you got like some batshit ugly nurses? I don't think he cares. You'd feel cheated, yeah. Because I mean, he like he could have gone with the banana. You know what I mean? So he's yeah. like, to go with an orange. So this, he must really <laughs> miss his wife. So this poor dude goes. You know, I thought I was in the shower and he goes, and I thought about shoving a shampoo bottle up there and he goes, but it wouldn't fit. And I'm oh. like, how the fuck would an orange fit compared to like, you know, so he's lying there and then they go to me, right? Can you please go up to uh, midwifery and to um, OBGYN and can you please go up and uh, the birthing Can you explain unit. these? Um, oh yeah. Okay. Can you go up to the birthing unit basically? And can you just get me some Wrigley's forceps? And I've gone... Okay, and I've gone up there, and he's like, and he's like, and you're gonna have to do it very quickly. He's like, you're gonna have to go now. And so I've gone up there, and I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, can I just get some forceps? And they're like, oh, why? And then you have to hand them like a little card if, as to why. So I've given them, and basically they're like, okay, <laughs> all right, sure, here you go. Bring them back down. The man goes, like the doctor goes, you know, he goes, this is gonna be something that you'll probably never see again and he goes i hope that we never have to see this again so they administer him morphine because this this dude's fucking oh. out of it at this point he oh, is, is in, in pain. so much pain he's in, and we've it, moved his bed by the way at this point because he's like literally in a room and so so he's, is he just screaming so, at the top of his lungs? so now you've, you've jabbed him with morphine he's got an orange in his ass well he, he had morphine like administered good time. before i came in so they're like so he's oh loving life God. right now. Yeah. He was like before I could hear him down the hallway. Like that's how much pain this guy cuz clearly they were trying to manually still get it out because this I'm not even joking when I say this. They got a fucking bucket of KY jelly and the dude had his fucking glove shoves it into the KY oh. jelly bucket and he's trying to get this out of the dude's ass. And so he's like really lubing up, you know, the sphincter and everything. And You're like this, aren't you? You're <laughs> We might have to take a we might have to take a quick break. Yeah. Um so he he has the forceps and he's like and you know, he's trying to pull it and this dude, even though he's on more he's like, Oh, you can he can still feel <laughs> it. I'm gonna come. <laughs> I'm cooming. Oh my goodness. And so He's a coomer. Oh god. And so it comes out and it's this like it was like more squashed around where the actual forceps had dug into it a bit yeah right and it was like it looked like an almost like an hourglass like a thick hourglass <laughs> orange and there was just this <laughs> juice in this poor dude's asshole because there was blood and he's then screaming because it's somehow mixed together and it's like uh, citrusy citru- <laughs> oh. this poor bastard and we're all trying not to piss ourselves laughing because uh, we're like juice. and then because the doctor goes Oh, good. Congratulations, mate. What do you want to call the orange? And then the guy looks at him like, oh, fuck off. Like, it's not even funny. But we were like, <laughs> as soon as I left the room, I was like, I'm going to fucking crack one. So that Did he keep man, the orange? Oh, look, I mean, I hope he took it home and gave it a birthing certificate, like, as it deserves. <laughs> you know but, what the doctor should have done? Mm-hmm. If he was a mad kind, he would have pulled out a shot glass and just and then just picked up the rest of that mixture and just be like, see you, mate. Job well done. It was fucking mental. Just squeeze the rest of the goes, orange goes, like into the shot glass. No, it goes back for seconds and just. <laughs> I mean, look, there have been many times when people have come up with objects in their ass. Another guy came up and it was a Friday night and I remember I was actually working near Enmore and there was a lot of people who do drugs there. Like you would know. You would, you would near not. Newtown, people doing drugs. I, I know, right? It's a, it's a, they wouldn't do that. I know. They're too busy being at lentils or anything. But That's it. I tell you, it was insane. So... This guy uh, comes up and he tried to tell us. And there were three police officers with this guy, by the way. He says to us, 
I was sexually assaulted and someone shoved a dildo up my ass while doing it. And now I actually later learned that he wasn't sexually assaulted. So we so can laugh about I'm it. Laughing. So yeah. we can laugh yeah. about yeah. it. No, you All can right, laugh good. about it. This guy was just obviously too embarrassed to admit that he tried doing some butt stuff and yeah. without without a spotter. Without a spotter. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Um so uh, that's why I was only laughing about it. Then I wouldn't laugh about that kind of thing. But uh, and at Never. first I was like, "That's horrible!" Like imagine being a guy and having that happen to you. But then, uh, but then we learned that yeah, he was lying about it, and he just tried. He like you know later admits that he was trying to shove a dildo up his ass, which by the way was a fucking fifteen inch dildo. So it's a big thing, right? And he's gotten it like stuck halfway. Yeah, and he can't pull it out. And he couldn't pull it I out. But it was halfway. In. But because it had also the because it had also the base of it, it would have been easier to actually remove i think than the orange which is like a fucking did, wait, did you wait, see so how did big he, it was did he walk in i heard about it I oh okay i didn't yeah all right all right i wasn't i wasn't there to sit well, on know, that one you know what good on him what but what a waste of police time yeah like they could have been stopping actual rapists and shit and then mm-hmm. they're like they've got this guy who's like Let, let's be fair they <laughs> prob- lost the dildo up me ass he was very aggravated i would honestly assume like uh, unlike the maybe the orange guy i think he legitimately was on something and he just, yeah, these police officers are standing there like, you know, this is what's happened. And they're trying to like get a victim's like, you know, like a witness thing and like, you know, just like little notes so that they can take it back to the station, I guess. But they were like saying to us, you know, oh, can you get like a rape, you know, kit ready and stuff like that to like actually test for that like kind of thing. Like a blanket or something? Or? Oh, like they have like, no, they have like actual, te- like they have like actual they tests and procedures. And yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So if a girl gets raped. Uh, she gets the inside of her JJ swabbed for DNA. And guys can have it for their rectum as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, it was very interesting to say the least, but that's all I heard about. I heard about it later from one of my supervisors and she was like, yeah, that's what ended up happening with that person. And I was like, oh, fair enough. <laughs> guess it's like typical Friday night. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised by, even with suppositories, you know, one one Asian guy came in and he actually said... Very good. <laughs> I knew that was good. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. so... <laughs> James is part Asian. He can get away with it. Yes. Yeah. You can't make those jokes, mate. That's inappropriate. No, or, I can't. Okay. So basically he comes in and he's, he's, he hasn't been able to shit for three weeks, he tells me. Poor bastard. He goes, you know, I don't want to do the accent because it might be a bit rude, but he goes... I'll do it. He goes, I haven't been in for three weeks. I haven't I haven't been in the I toilet. Make, I don't make a shit for three <laughs> weeks. Not very good. He tells me about how he's tried to shoving ta- tiger bomb on his bum hole. And he's tried, you know, doing the herbal teas and stuff. And he's like, no moving. No, it's not moving. Did he know? put the herbal tea like directly in his asshole? <laughs> well, no, he told me he was drinking it, like trying to yeah. obviously make a bowel movement. Mm. And so he goes, I, now I'm, he's like, now I'm in hospital, you know, um, and he tries to tell me that he hasn't taken a shit. So I'm like, okay, laxity is suppository. That's the only thing I can really think of. And so I've got the RN over and she's agreeing. She's going, yeah, I think that's a very like safe call. So he then goes, yells at me and her and he goes, I'm not, I'm not fucking gay. I'm not fucking gay, <laughs> bitch. Wow. So he goes, I'm not fucking gay. I'm not gay. You gay. I'm not fucking gay, bitch. That's what he literally. Who is gay? You are gay. He said, I need a male in here to do this. And he was like yelling, and like the doctor comes in then. He's like, What's going on, mate? And then he tells him, and he goes, Okay, you know, you two can just like leave the room because this guy's like getting very aggressive. But I thought, if you know, if you weren't gay, like why get a guy to put it up your ass? Maybe. (laughs) 
Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with being gay, uh, right? Maybe, maybe no, he's, not at all. Maybe he was just embarrassed and he felt like... If a woman does it, it's like, yeah, dehuman. Maybe like de-masculating? Yeah, maybe it's a cultural thing. Well, in Asian culture, they've still really focused on gender roles. Mm-hmm. So like a wo- woman is beneath me. So he wanted a male doctor. Oh, yeah, Cause, he, because he would probably think that the females were like not incapable. Incapable, yeah. they're like oh, shit yeah. at their job. Yeah. You are, you cannot be pilot. Only men can be pilot. Oh yeah, there was there's plenty of that. I mean, there were plenty of times when they're saying, "Can a can a male do it? Can a male nurse come in?" I might look, mate. You're gonna be hard pressed to find a male. Like, I mean, there, there were male, there were male nurses who worked there, but you know, and I've been at a few hospitals that have had male nurses. They're just nowhere near the amount, and um. So this one I was like pretty lucky because they're like twenty four, you know, twenty four hour. Like there's there's always an expert there, big hospital, and so yeah. Like can I have a male nurse? Can I have a male nurse? Can I have a male doctor? I'm like yes, you can have a fucking doctor at that point. Like anyway, that was pretty bizarre, pretty bizarre for uh, for nursing. <laughs> um, and I think like when you're a nurse as well, not only do you see piss, shit, vomit. I mean, first day of work I remember like ever doing, an old lady was there and I remember that she just had a bowel procedure done. And so she's lying there, she's in a lot of pain. She's asking for pain meds, like, you know, some bit of endone or something. And I'm like, yeah, no worries. Like that's more than fine. I'll get her RN on that. So then she's like, oh, and she's like, (laughs) you know, like, rubbing her back and everything and I'm going are you okay do you want me to like rub your back like I don't mind doing that kind of thing I don't mind rubbing someone's back if they're in pain so I'm rubbing her back and she stands up and she's got a nightgown on because she's just been in an operation and she just pisses shits and vomits like she pisses herself everywhere all three holes like uh, shit sorry and then because she has done that she just vomits on cue because she <laughs> and then she's like oh why not? I'm, I'm so sorry i'm so sorry and i'm trying not to vomit myself and i'm like it's okay it happens to everyone but you know it I'm happens to, to everyone yes it's happened to me many times <laughs> in my life if you were in that same condition her bowel was very sensitive like i think she had like a puncture in her bowel oh, so like terrible oh yeah it'd be painful how, and how would how would you do that um, probably a few things like she could have had cancer. Like oh. she could have had cancer. Cancer would be actually very at her age, probably very like common. Yeah. Uh, could have had it from an injury. Maybe she had really freaky sex. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've uh, heard um nursing homes are like they do orgies and shit. Actually, nursing homes have the highest STD and STI rates. Well, they've got nothing else to do, right? Well, they're all fucking each other. And a lot of them are like senile as well. So like and, and people, aren't, like, people aren't like looking at after them not properly either. So like they just do it. Like, Why not? Yeah. I mean, if you're like husband or wife of like 40 years, like just like died on you. Yeah. What are you going to do? Contact, send nudes through the Ouija board or something? Like, send nudes. Send please. nudes through the Ouija send board. Send vagine and bobs. Bobs, please. Yeah. You just got like the actual Ouija board out just like physically... Trying to move the piece. W-Y-D. What you doing? (laughs) You up? (laughs) What that thang smell like? Probably not very freaking good, mate. (laughs) Not very fresh. No. So I can imagine... um, I mean, you painted a a pretty graphic picture there of, of life as a nurse. Oh, but it's also a very rewarding job. Like one of the things I really valued and loved about nursing and why I went into it in the first place was I love the fact 
that I could be there to help support people when they're at their most vulnerable. Like that's really one of the more beautiful moments of nursing because you can be there to help someone when they're truly at their lowest. Like I couldn't do that no job because I'd just be like, ha ha, you have orange up your ass. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, those are the more like bizarre moments, but a lot of them yeah. are very good moments. A lot of them are very rewarding. Like honestly, nursing is a fantastic career like I will never talk down on it I really loved it the only things I can really can complain about is like you got to have patience I think if you're a patient you've got to have patience like we're there non-stop there were times where I don't even remember like being able to take a shit let alone you know I used to carry around like a muesli bar and my fanny pack that you used to have carry around like and I'm like dude I'm starving like it's been hours since I've had a break I'm constantly on my feet so you might be on your feet for like four five six hours oh more sometimes like depending on what shifts you're working more like easily um how many shifts are there like what are the hours oh it can depend it can depend per person but so it could be like 11 till like seven well ones that i remember working were more like late night so i'd start at about two in the afternoon and i'd finish about two in the morning three in the morning 12 hours yeah why oh because that's what it's like like it makes rostering easier i guess because you just got two shifts to cover but then more so what would happen as well is that you'd work less days you'd work they would try and mitigate it by saying oh but you'd work less days or you'd have gaps so you'd have one day where you'd work 12 and then maybe you know you'd have a rest day and then the day after that they'd give you less but it's like there are some people who are working there who doctors like who you know some doctors crazy people but then most of them you know are really hard working and they're there i mean i knew someone who was working i think like 60 plus hour weeks so this is what i don't understand because now it seems to me there's a massive disconnect between health and the health industry mm. especially in regards to the workers i think so i think that's like one of the bigger things as well um because it's not like they don't know better yeah but it's it's like no 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 we need to work hard sleep depri- deprivation is mm. our thing like there's almost pride over how much sleep you haven't gotten I think that it's more so when you work in especially nursing, you're nursing because you want to. You're nursing because you care. You're not there for the money necessarily. You're not there. So they take advantage of that? Because um, why not work eight hours instead of 12? Wouldn't I mean, that be I better can't. for you mentally? Like if I'm just t- from an industry Some, perspective. A lot of the time you get just, you get told. Like you don't necessarily, like you don't get to choose what your hours are, especially if you're just starting out. Like they really take advantage of people like that. Like, you know, you start working on that and then they try and say, oh, well, that's like what it's going to be like when you work. And, it's, and it is true, but it is true. Like people who work in medicine, especially uh, if you're working, you know, four or five days a week, you are working long hours. Like, you know, there are nurses who... A lot of the time they say it's like a very short-term career in the sense that by the time you're like 50, 60, you're fucking like wrecked. Your body is wrecked. Like, because a lot of the time actually... Sort of like chefing almost. Well, a lot of the time nurses actually, when they're older, they end up having a lot of bowel problems because they're so used to not pissing or shitting. Surgeons are the same. If they have a 12-hour surgery, for example, which happens, no breaks. Do they wear um like adult diapers? Yeah. They, bloody oath they do, yeah. Well, because you'd have to re-sterilize everything. Yeah. Like as soon as you get out of those clothes. So look, I, I completely understand. Like, all right, you're doing a surgery, mm. like fine. But like why are nurses and doctors sleep deprived? Because like what mm. it does to your judgment. Oh, yeah. Your decision-making ability, your mood. Oh, man. It, it, it's, um, I'm just like, why would you want these people who are responsible for like saving people's lives mm. to be sleep deprived and not able to make 
good decisions. See, the thing is, I think because it works on the sense that there are so many people who often work in a hospital that you kind of take over each other. So, like, there will always be someone else coming in to quickly take over your shift. Like, so I think that it gets mitigated that way. I'm not sure. Like, I always worked in bigger hospital environments, so I'm not exactly sure what it's like on a smaller scale, but I would imagine so. Like, but I do think they try and mitigate it through that. I think it's hard to say, but I completely agree. Like I've I've worked it, you know. I've I remember being so fucking tired, and I mean we even and had the lights and it's there's so many people around. I can't oh, imagine. It's it must be crazy, right? Oh yeah, and like I mean we had you know we had a doctor who actually got done because he was a functioning heroin addict. He was he was an anesthesiologist actually. Right, right. So he had you know this dude was like balling because they make so much money, but he was literally like high off his face all the time, and he was going around telling people that he was high off his face and no one fucking did so he anything. didn't even care at that point no that's how deep he was in it maybe yeah. he need, maybe he he wanted to get caught you know what i mean maybe but yeah. like it's a it's a big risk if you get caught that's the thing it's like he must have just lost his mind i think after a while from all the drugs he was taking because it is such a big risk to get caught because you're looking at like hundreds of thousand malpractice. dollars malpractice hundreds of thousand dollars in you know fees like and if, if you fines, if that doctor ever got sued Previously, anyone that brings it into, like, that can be bring it brought into court. Like, oh, so he's a he's a heroin addict, and like, he say he got sued for malpractice. Mm. They could then bring that back into court and be like, well, we've got evidence now that he's a drug addict. Like, he couldn't have made like a sound of mind decision. So, like, that brings us. He could be brought through court again over previous things. Well, well th- there's another argument there for, you know. Looking after the workers a little bit more. Oh, yeah. I like, think they do. Yeah, like not only are you sleep deprived in a chaotic environment, but there's drugs around too. Yeah. So maybe something needs to change. I think so. And I think a big part of the problem with this too, that people are taking stimulants to stay awake. I knew, I couldn't even tell you how many surgeons I knew, any doctors I knew who were taking, you know, hundreds of grams of stuff just to stay awake because you're just so tired. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. You're just so tired and it's like they need to, and like you were saying, they need to have that judgment. So stimulants actually do improve it and they're keeping them going when frankly their body doesn't even want them to keep going, but they look like fucking extras out of the walking dead by the time they finish their shift. It's mental. So yeah, but it is a, it's a very rewarding, very rewarding career, honestly. And we're very like, I think like nurses and medical professionals are what keeps the country afloat, really. They're an invaluable source. Fucking oath. I thought it was truckers. <laughs> you know it's what? It's James. It's you, James. Yeah. You're an invaluable it's, source. I guess, bang I bang guess, Energy I guess is what keeps this country truckers and Sponsor them. you got to get sponsored now by Bang. Oh, yeah. I guess uh, you guys have something in common with truckers. <laughs> no. I've never... I can't say I do. What's that? What, long hours stimulants? Oh, yeah. 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 Keeping the... Just keeping it, the brain going. going. That's it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, all very important. So, yeah. So, what would you say to young RNs Mm. looking to get into it? I would say for people who are looking into going into nursing. Like they're about to go into the TAFE course. They really want to do it. How, How do they prepare? Is this for them? I think the best thing to think about is are you willing to put up with people who frankly don't value you because that is a very big part of it, to be honest. Like there are people who frankly think that you don't do anything, especially as a nurse. Uh, Are you willing to see oranges up people's anuses (laughs) 
<laughs> no. Are you willing to see people in a compromised position, especially if you're working accident and emergency where you see some like pretty horrific shit? Um, are you willing to be there? Do you have the balls to be there? It takes quite a lot of balls to sit there and to, to be able to do it. And do you have the drive? Do you, are you caring? I think is a big thing. Like, do you want to see the betterment of people? Because to be honest with you, if you are a nurse who frankly couldn't give, who, who frankly couldn't give a fuck, don't become a nurse. Don't put people in that position where they have to worry about their loved ones who, you know, are compromised already. Like, you know, show up, be caring, do your job, do it correctly too. Also the best of your ability. <laughs> Powerful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that was very heartfelt. Um, Thank you. So what, um, what other, like... What was like your worst day on the job? My worst day was probably for a variety of reasons. I think one of my worst it was that days. Time of the month. Uh, no, it wasn't because of that. Uh, it was because I had just kind of had a <laughs> bad energy. I had a, no. I had a. <laughs> I uh, had a bad breakup um, with my long-term partner, Duma Groomer. <laughs> Duma Groomer. Duma Groomer Kuma. Yes. Um, <laughs> Duma Groomer um, and I'd gone in and I was just tired and I remember seeing a dude's arm that had been severed off he was like a lumberjack so you know the people <laughs> who got in the cherry pickers yeah yeah he had, was I chain- believe they're called arborists yes that's mm. it he basically was doing that and he just had had the chainsaw and he must have just missed it and his arm was like hanging off and I remember when they brought in for people from like they were bringing in the paramedics and things, they actually had his arm in like an esky. Oh, in an ice bag. And I remember him like lying there. Wait, wait, wait. His arm was off. Yeah, like All it was pretty much off. Like it was so there was like this so there was like this like little tiny piece that was hanging on. And as they were moving around with him, it was in an esky. Like that limb was in an esky That's while it was still insane. attached to him. But to they keep done, the cells alive. And they also had a bit of du- masking tape. And I wondered why they had duct tape. And then the guy had said, the one who was with him, which is actually honestly a very good thing to do. He had masking tape because he had nothing else on the job with him. He actually had got his arm and had put masking tape around it. So until it bleed out? Well, no, because the masking tape actually stops the blood from, from being able to... to release you know it's it's more of like a coagulant like where your body normally can do that but if it's obviously you're you're bleeding out and there's so much blood being lost it doesn't have the opportunity plus your fucking arms coming off so it's like that mass the masking tape even for people with a gunshot wounds it's something that stops the bleeding from happening because that is that'll be what kills you not the actual wound not the actual injury itself but the blood that's just like continuously pissing out so that was a pretty rough day. <laughs> and I remember just being like, oh, man, why the fuck did I do nursing? Because mm. uh, it was very hectic. It was like I had all these things happening in my own life. And then I had that happen on top of it. And I was like, fuck, well, at least I've still got his arm was OK. They did actually manage through microsurgery to reattach his arm. But he lost a lot of his function in his arm. I think he lost like 70 percent. Uh, yeah, as if you wouldn't, right? Well, yeah, but I think it's pretty yeah. pretty good comparatively. Like Amazing. Yeah. It's so, crazy. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. So you see stuff like that, you know, yeah. and you just have to kind of live through it. So 
but it's it was very rewarding. There's a lot of experiences I can think about which were really beautiful experiences, really lovely, wholesome experiences. Tell us about some of those, some of your better experiences on the job. Um, okay, well, one that comes to mind was this lady who'd come in. She was older and I'm pretty sure she was like going like Alzheimer's like kind of thing. And I remember she was in and she was also having an operation and she didn't have any kids, but she kept thinking that her kids were calling and it was really sad because, like, obviously her children – I don't know if she didn't have any children, but obviously they weren't in contact. And she actually said to me, I wish you were my daughter to me. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And another one was – Did she leave you in the will? No. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. She was from Tamworth, so I don't know how much Tamworth. she really earned. Hey, she might have had a farm. <laughs> Fucking no. She's from farm Tammy. Farmer Ray. Arma Cain's farm. Yeah. You've <laughs> done it again. Yeah. But – uh, one of them as well was like I used to love working on the midwifery ward and I used to hold all the babies that people would just give birth. I used to love it. I used to say, go go have a sleep for an hour and I would just what, cuddle newborns? these babies. Oh, fuck yeah. Like these mums are tired. Like that's the thing. They're sleep deprived. Like honestly, people really underestimate how much new mothers, especially especially young mothers, need that sleep. And especially because there are a few as, a, as well who didn't have a partner who were there. So I used to love being able to be that person who could like – I'll do this while you shower because it's just a human. You feel inhuman almost like I think when, you know, you've just given birth, you're tired, you're, you've got to look after something, which frankly you've got to keep tending to and tending to. And there's no, no, yeah, that break really, even an hour, that break really helps within those first few months, first few days even. And so, you know, there was one lady had come in and her husband had actually died before the baby was like, born and I remember she was very I think she was happy but she was also very depressed I think because she kept saying that the baby looks so much like him and I was like well you know now his like memory can like live on through that baby and things like that and like I didn't know what to say like what do you say to someone in that situation their dad had come in and their mum had come in so clearly they had a supportive family um and I just remember holding her baby and like the baby was so calm and I thought like damn like most babies like screaming but this baby was so calm and I remember she had a shower and I remember she literally came out and she cried and she hugged me and she's like thank you I don't know when I'm gonna get my next break and I was like no worries like I love doing that I love being there for people like that it's like one of the perks of the job Mm. being able to create that create that change and I think uh there was a time when I also would help out with people in in Enmore when they'd be doing drugs so They'd be going through like withdrawals and things. And I just remember like even giving them a hug. And a lot of people are so terrified of doing that. Well, they're very lonely as well, a lot of these addicts. That's it. But a lot of people are so terrified of of doing that physical touch because they think that person could lash out, which is very true. But I never had – I would always kind of mitigate. I'd look at them. I'd look at their position. And often in that second to third day, they're so worn out that like honestly – I remember like there was this one guy – this old older Aboriginal fellow, lovely guy, and he told me that he, you know he had his families, his families had like his family had died a long time ago, and he was brought up in like he was brought up in foster care and things like that. And I remember like I was just cuddling him, I just was like stroking his back. I'm like, man, were you big spoon or little spoon? Oh, look, I'm always um, sponge bath. <laughs> I think because of my height, it doesn't help. But sponge bath, I mean. <laughs> I was checking if he didn't have any oranges up his yeah, ass. Seeing, you know, but yeah, it was lovely. It was a lovely experience. I loved yeah. being there for people. So those were the more wholesome moments along with many others. But yeah, 
And I think uh, around that time in my life, I felt like helpful that, and I think it's a big part of why I was doing community services too. Like when you go through being groomed and having, going through an abusive relationship that can like really make you feel better though the fact that like you didn't turn out to be a awfully fucking like jaded person that you can yeah that you can actually be nice to people and like give them you know like love and comfort i think that's like really cool well done (laughs) yeah you came out all right i think so i think it was definitely an interesting experience and i think the scary thing about grooming is that especially for young girls. Is this, are you talking so, about a romantic relationship oh, right yeah, now? Oh, yeah, 100%, okay. yeah. yeah. Now, um, do you want to start from the beginning? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, only if you're comfortable. Oh, of course, yeah. I think, like, I think that um, grooming is such a, it's an epidemic, I would say, in a sense, because I, I don't know what other term to use for it, but I think that the interesting thing with it is that, people only deal with the after effects of grooming. So people only want to deal with pedophiles who have actually gone out and assaulted children. But what's so, I think, scary to me is that there are so many young girls out there who are 15, 16, like myself, who are... Just just for our listeners, that's not her age right now. But no, no, I'm actually 21 at this current, uh, 21. This current time. Uh, 7th of February 2000 is my birthday, just to verify. Uh, it's okay, Chris Hansen is in the corner, but he... Why don't you take a seat for me? <laughs> take a seat um, over there. At the time, so a few years ago, I was like 15, 16, uh, and I was dating, actually not even 16, I was 15, and I was dating uh, my partner at the time, who was 24, <laughs> and... I thought that it was very normal. And actually, as a 16-year-old girl, you don't see it the same way that other people see it. You see it as, oh, I'm so cool. He loves me. I'm so cool because an older guy wants to go out with me. And Mm. I was kind of like a very insecure little girl. Like, I was very, like, insecure as a kid. I got bullied and shit in primary. And, like, I was also very insecure about, like, my weight. I did have a weight issue, which was, like, you know, it was only until after that relationship where I actually started to do something about it. But I did have a weight issue. Started lifting heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And like I had a lot of uh, other issues as well, like, you know, growing up in housing, like having some other like issues on the side. Um, So I think I was like more prone to being groomed because I do think that they look for girls who are more vulnerable and low self-esteem definitely plays a part in that. And so I had really low self-esteem and I had actually met him through this person that I had known at the time who I used to actually do a lot of music things with, like with their younger brother and I'd go to their house and like, we'd play music together. I play bass guitar. And so you still play. I f- fucking know if I do. Awesome, awesome. I love it. Yeah. I used to play the drums. Oh, sweet. Nice. I play the triangle. <laughs> Can we start a band? I play the recorder. Do you want Hell me to yeah. hear the Titanic? I like, I've been in a few punk, like metal bands. So I can totally industrial bands. I've been in a few rock. So we can totally like vibe on that. That's it. So anyway, we're playing music and so this guy was like, I was kind of looking at him, he was kind of looking at me and we just started talking and I told him how old I was too and he was like, oh, he kept calling me like jailbait and stuff and I had no idea what that meant at the time. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) I know, it's like the red fucking flags, like it's like the bull, like (laughs) with the flag. Why don't you take a seat over there for me? Yeah, so true. And so we ended up dating and he came to meet my mum and it was so weird because like the way his demeanour, like this person, the best way I could describe them is like very arrogant very like I grew up in the North Shore and my family have a lot of money. Oh, gotcha. I grew up in St. Ives myself. Oh, he was a Barker boy, so you can imagine. What's that? 
uh, Barker is a private boys' school. It costs twenty thousand plus dollars a year to go. Right, right. So he, I think, uh, had public a lot school of, gang. <laughs> yes, yeah, same. I went to a public school, so there's that. Um, and you know, had grown up in like Gola, had grown up in like these really posh. He actually had a house in Pimble, like that his parents. And it was like um, when I tell you, it was it wasn't a house when I saw photos. It was a fucking mansion, a chateau. It was a chateau, yeah, for sure. Um, and so. I don't know. I used to always be like, oh, I wonder why these girls have only dated. And he was not very attractive. Like I've shown James photos. This dude, like, is like, anyway. He looks like, <laughs> like, if if you told me he was on to catch a predator, I'd believe you. Yeah, yeah. He get he gives off that vibe. So it was so funny because <laughs> it was so funny because what ended up happening was basically we dated for all these years and like he was just a very turbulent person which i think had a lot of like childhood trauma that he didn't address obviously and don't we all yeah but this was like oh this was childhood trauma gang but the thing was he wasn't actually destitute like he wasn't his mum was just a shit cunt like she was an alcoholic and this rich bitch who thought that like she could just treat people like shit and she was only rich because she married rich to be clear to be clear so anyway, he used like to think Jeff he was Bezos's better. Jeff Bezos' wife. <laughs> he used I'm a to rich think, bitch. Sorry, he rich used to bitch. think that he was better than a lot of people, especially me, because I grew up again in housing. I lived in, you know, Hornsby at the time. Like, and I remember his mum would even treat me like shit. It was fucking awful. Was there a lot of like, I grew up in the North Shore, you grew up in housing? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And it was like... Uh, you know, there were times when he would say to me, you'll never go to university because I went to UCID. That was his big thing. I went to UCID and I did health sciences. I'm like, okay. Like, oh, so he's kind of- Why did he do that to work in a supermarket? What a yeah, fucking you know, flop of a human. You know, he actually me worked at Coles. <laughs> <laughs> he, he still works at Coles to my knowledge of what James and I found out the other day. But, you know, anyway, dude worked at Coles for like years. And I so, went to UCID to work at Coles. Oh, yeah. The Coles are really, like, upping their hiring game. You have to have a UCID degree to That's work it. there now. Apparently. I can't believe he did health science. What a cunt. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was like, oh, I did health science, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, so What you- a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and what? Just, yeah. Just, tar- of- just tarnish my industry, why don't you? <laughs> and because he <laughs> With was... With your Coles and your abuse. And because he was very fit as well, and because I was, like, a fat... I was, like, a fat chick, I used to think that, like... I must be somewhat attractive because I was like, I was fat and I was still pulling this dude who I at the time thought was very attractive because he was very fit. Even though he actually wasn't like, he used to eat like fucking garbage. This dude used to eat like, I'm not even joking. He used to order Domino's like all the time. He used to have like three like Domino's that, pizzas. And you, like, you constantly ring me at 10 o'clock like, hey bro, you want to get a snack pack or something and get a kebab? But that's yeah. what you do with the homies. That's it. So he Homie ended up... <laughs> <laughs> so no you're right he ended up um he ended up like buying all these pizzas and shit and then he'd eat like a liter like two liter of tiramisu and he then he'd then he'd tease me and be like you're so fat and stuff and disgusting and i'm like yeah but you don't mind hitting it like fuck fuck you you know um so it gave me even lower self-esteem i had like the worst body issues back then like i used to actually starve myself for like hours just because like even days sometimes like and i was just so heavily depressed and shit and then i would like binge eat as well it was like a yeah. vicious fucking cycle because like I'd, i had this person in my ear and so after that like we'd been dating for a while constant abuse like this was like we'd even be in his car and like he would say like you know something would happen and then he'd blame me for it like oh we were late so therefore blah 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 
and he'd go off his fucking head and it was like it would seem like I would actually almost like uh what's the term like when you like you like shut yourself off. It's like a catatonic. Yeah, like yeah, de- yeah, yeah, literally yeah, that. Yeah. And so, like, sometimes it's the only way you can deal with it. It's, it's, it's oh, like yeah. a way you learn to deal with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like, uh, after a while, I just would like zone out, and I would cry, and then he'd be like, "Why the fuck are you crying?" And I'm like, "Why the fuck do you think I'm crying, bitch?" Anyway, so I had really, and all my friends noticed, which is such a weird thing. Like all my friends who were even young girls themselves were like, "This person isn't nice to you. Like, why the fuck are you?" And it was so weird because I must have known as well because, okay, and you can laugh at this because it's kind of funny, but I used to literally keep a fucking folder of myself crying. I used to take photos of myself crying. It was so mental. Like You used to listen to Blink-182, didn't you? He was a big Sum 41 fan that I think was his favourite band and like fucking Beartooth and shit. I'm like, oh, not even when that I great. was a young boy. <laughs> That's my chem. Oh, did you did you keep the pictures to remind yourself or, or were you just like... I think maybe I, you were just so in it. I think I was so in it. And yeah, that was just your life. That was my life, and you were, you just became like an emo chick. Oh yeah, and for days, like I literally would try and like talk to this person, and like there'd be sometimes days where he wouldn't reply to me. And I think, like honestly, unless you have like an actual excuse, I think like it is a form of manipulate, like like trying to like almost breadcrumb someone to like you know, like, oh, I don't want to talk to you because you've done this to me. And it would be like something that was even out of my control, you know. So then I was like 15 and I remember I fell pregnant and I actually ended up having an abortion, which was pretty traumatic. It's abortion. So what it was more traumatic about it more so was that I remember when I was telling him and we were driving and I remember it was in, I think, Gordon or something. But How did you know you were pregnant? I was so sick. I was so sick. And like I'd been basically all the time I'd go to his house. Like I would see him like twice a week, like once or twice a week at least. And I was like getting so sick at this point. And at this point, actually, this was before I had moved out, I think. But I had then moved in like within a week of finding out that I was like pregnant. And I remember because I like had left home as well because I was like, oh, fuck, like this person wants to live with me. Oh, yeah. And I remember like when we moved in, I was like so sick moving everything out like in from like my house to – and a lot of people I think could say about my parents, like why didn't they stop me? My mum was of the mind that like my mum had a very hard life growing up and my mum would run away herself and I think my mum blamed herself. And my mum was also very sick at the time. She actually had uh, ovarian cancer. So I think that my mum was just so sick and she had other kids after me as well, like we were younger. So I think she was just like – I've got other stuff on my plate. And she said to me, if you go, you go. And she said, but, you know, you're always welcome back here. Like, I will always be here for you. And, like, he tried to also make my mum seem like a worse person than what she would. My mum's the fucking best. Like, I love my mum to death. But he tried to make everyone seem like they hated me or that they were, like, trying to get rid of me and they, they were against me. And that's oh, a very So it was common. like, you can't, you can't, um, there was a lot of, you can't go to anyone else. I'm the only one that cares yeah, about you. Yeah. Yeah. That's like typical behavior. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know, your mom, like, uh, she didn't love you and that's why you didn't have any money growing up because if, and my mom's a smoker, but like, I mean, it wouldn't have contributed like that heavily to our finances. Well, like my cigarettes mom- weren't, $300 a packet back then. And also, I mean, my mum, like, would go without cigarettes to give us food. Like, you know, it's not like we ever went without, you know. We we struggled for sure. But, like, it was never as noticeable as a child. Like, I wasn't going to school without lunches. Like, my mum did the best she could for a single mum. And so, then what ended up happening was 
I had moved in and I remember just feeling so sick and I pissed on a stick. I'm like, I must, there must be something wrong. And I remember being well, so... Okay, do you want to explain what that is? That's a pregnancy test, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, okay, yeah cool. it's not just a, like a, it's like an Aboriginal thing. <laughs> you just yeah. piss on a stick yeah, and then you wait. It's a sage, it's a yeah, sage yeah. thing. And like then summon the, the fertility serpent. serpent. Yeah. yeah. That's it, that's what I like, waving <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> and so I ended up... Um, Pissing on a stick and I was like, yeah, positive. So then I remember freaking the fuck out and I actually didn't believe it. So I actually threw the test out. I'm like, I'll do another one tomorrow. And I remember buying multiple sticks and I didn't have much money back then. Like I was walking dogs and shit to help pay this motherfucker pay rent. Like, yeah. They're like 20 bucks a pop, I think. Oh yeah. Like even for like three sticks, it's it's, it's pretty insane. Can you get home brand ones though? But they're not good. Like... You know, they might not. I want. I don't want to fucking take a chance. I mean, buying yeah. a fucking like black and gold pregnancy test yeah. or something. Why not? No one remembers <laughs> black and gold. Anyway, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Only Pov- only Povo kids remember. I reckon. Like, <laughs> we yeah. were in that group. Like, that's what like salvos would bring in. Like every like <laughs> you know Christmas, you had the black and gold like Baked tin beans. tam. Oh fuck yeah. Yeah. The, the pasta. Oh yeah. The spaghetti. Christmas. The fruit cake. If yeah. only they made black and gold kimchi, I'd be all over that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like, I ended up. Telling him, I'm like, yeah, so I'm pregnant. And I remember he just like said to me, we're getting, we're getting rid of it. And he kept making these like horrible jokes about how he's going to like push me down a flight of stairs and shit like that. Fuck. And so I called my friend at the time who I knew had had an abortion herself. And like her boyfriend though was around the same age. So I said to her, I was like, look Beck, I'm like, how do I get how do I do this? Cause I didn't want to like upset him. And I was like, I can't. And I also knew, I think deep down that I couldn't have a baby at that time. And not I couldn't him. have, no, not with him as well. I was like, and then anyway, I ended up uh, getting an abortion. And when I went to go get the abortion as well, this was like in the middle of Surrey Hills and this motherfucker couldn't drive me. And I remember saying, you have to come pick me up though. Cause that was like what they said in the consultation. Like, because you're, you, you're having like a drug, like you've got to be picked up. And so I remember going there and I was like, you need to come pick me up. And he's like, oh, I'm too tired from work, blah, blah, blah. Even though he had organized this like the whole week beforehand. And so I was like busy vomiting on the street in Surrey Hills. Did police get involved because you were underage? No. Really? Because the thing was at that time I was 16. I had been just going on 16. So they were like, they then said, oh, well, it's the age of consent. And so... Then I ended up basically, uh, yeah, like going home with my, like I got my brother to like pick me up and I was like, I'm so sick. Like I cannot physically leave this establishment without. So he dropped me back and he said, you're going to have to go inside. Otherwise I'm going to beat this cunt's head in <laughs> literally what he said. And I was like, no, don't do it. Your brother? Yeah. How, is your brother older, younger? Older, older. Right, right, okay. Exponentially, yeah. So I've got like oh, two older brothers. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Fuck and yeah. so he was like, I'm going to fucking beat this cunt's ass. Yeah, the and boys. Like, yeah, the boys. <laughs> and then he's like, so he's like, he literally. should have let your brother do it. I know, he even Absolutely. got, he was going to get the mag light out too. He's like, I'm going to get fucking mag light out and fucking smack because he was working security at the time. Oh, with the big torch. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. He's going to beat the shit out of him. And then he, I said, no. And I was like crying my eyes out. And he's like, just get, he's like, get out of the no, car. No, no. I, I love him. I don't hurt my RSPCA dog, basically. <laughs> like. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like free to a good home, free to a loving home. You know what I mean? And it's like this fucking rancid dog. Like that's basically what he was like. Like um, nothing against a sh- like animal shelter animals. They're lovely, but yeah. this one was just not right. Anyway, so 
Um, so this this is the one that should have been put down. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and so I remember like I was vomiting and he was just literally playing fucking Fallout on his computer in his undies. Oh yeah, that's a pretty good game though. Which one was it? Oh, I think it was like maybe New Vegas. That's the best oh, one. That's I know, the best one. You know I know, what? I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. But I mean, given the context, it was a bit like fucking hell. Like really, bro. But did, uh, did New it. Vegas just come out though? I don't know at the time. Doesn't really matter. It's New like, Vegas. Yeah, it's New Vegas. Yeah. Like maybe we can, yeah, like maybe we can like That's excuse that one. That one's not so bad out of all these behaviors. Yeah. Like we can give him a little pass on a little, a little uh, get out of free jail card, if you will. So, um, yeah, then like I happened and I remember like before that though, actually when I was saying about the Gordon thing, he literally said to me, we were driving through like, you know, those streets that have like the, um, they have like the triangle things like between, uh, like when they're trying to do like plots of trees and shit. And, like, the trees, like, almost have, like, walkways between them. But there's, like, a huge plot of them. Can you re-explain that? Um, I don't know. I'm just imagining there's trees in the way. There's trees in the way. And it was really nice, actually. It was, like, a late afternoon. And I remember, like, the light catching the trees. That's what I really remember. But I remember he said to me, oh, it's really nice, actually. And he said, you know, I could bury you over there and no one would know. And I remember laughing it off. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's but how, was, like, far gone I was. Was like, this, like... But was this, like, post-abortion and you were, like, out of it? No, this was, like... This was, like, before I had an abortion. So, you were This so person is... Well, he's definitely a sociopath. He's definitely a weirdo. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was, like... Yeah. Oh, and he's a confirmed what? pedophile. Yeah, and I was, like, what the fuck? And I didn't think about it as much at the time, but it was only after when we broke up. So, fast forward a few years, I end up getting pregnant again, and... I was, and then he was like, okay, we can't like have an abortion this time. And that was like really cruel and shit. And so I was like 17. He wanted the kid or? Yeah, he was like 17. And I thought actually at the time he was, and he was a fucking, by the way, he was a horrible alcoholic. Like I remember this person literally going through like fireball, like bottles and shit. And he was like horrible. He was like, I mean, if you like cinnamon, that's your thing. He was like a horrible alcoholic. And I just remember getting pregnant again. And then he was like, we got to keep it like, you know, we got to try and do better. And he was like trying to convince me that he was doing better. Anyway. Were you like, we can fix this relationship with the baby? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't like that as much. It was more like, I also felt a lot of guilt. Like I'll admit that. Like I felt a lot of guilt because I was like, okay, because I mean, I was raised like, keep in mind, I was raised Catholic. I'm not religious now. Oh, like I'm atheist actually, but I have a lot of Catholic guilt and trauma from when you I was a, a kid. you have a fedora? I will. If I did, I'd be saying, I'd be tipping it to you. Milady. <laughs> but... Um, and I, it would be a big Reddit moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I ended up then saying, okay, I got to keep it then. So what ended up happening was basically, um, he said to me, yeah, we're going to fix it and everything. He said, but we can't tell my parents yet. So I was always like waiting. And I remember his sister was getting married around the time and she was also marrying rich. So I remember it was going to be like in the city, they were having this wedding. And I was like so excited for her because for years at this point, we'd been together for like three or four years at this point. For years, I'd been wanting his sister to get married to her partner. And I was like rooting for them. I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's awesome. I can't wait to go to your wedding because I was invited. And he literally, I think I was like 30 weeks pregnant at the time. And he was like, no, like you can't come because you're pregnant. And I haven't told my family yet. Were you like showing heavily? Oh, yeah. And like, I was like, what the fuck? I was so upset. And I remember like, he literally broke up with me basically. Oh, fuck. Wow. While you're pregnant. Yeah, while the I was The story keeps getting worse. I can't imagine what that would feel like. Oh, yeah. At it was 17. fucking horrible. It was fucking horrible. I was just 18, actually, at that time. Like, 
um, but only just. And I remember being like, what the fuck? And I was so upset. Like, And it was actually weirdly enough around the time when Meghan Markle and Harry were getting married. And I remember crying, not because I like cared about that. I don't fucking give a shit about the royal family, but because that's what I wanted so badly. Like I wanted that like almost like like a fairy tale kind of thing. Oh, like I wanted the wedding. I wanted to have like the white picket fence and like a, like a nice happy like life and shit with this person who I was just never going to be able to like obtain it from. It's a pipe dream. And like so I ended up then having my son Marcus who was like the best thing ever. Uh, but I had him alone and he didn't even come to the birth, even though he was working literally about 500 metres away at the nearest Coles. <laughs> <laughs> and he then said to me, like, I'll come by in the morning. And, like, he didn't actually meet his son until, like, three weeks in. And then he was like, yeah, maybe we can make this work. And so, like, he was living in his place and I actually moved in for, like, I think it was like maybe two weeks or something. And so it was not very long because it was literally like the last straw was when I remember my mum had been watching Marcus and I went out to like the doctors and I came back to our house at the time and my ha- my fucking car was smashed. <laughs> my photographs, my son's photographs were like burnt. I had clothes and jewellery that was stolen and – He literally had not – he blocked me on everything so I couldn't actually contact him and he just pissed off basically and like he then fucking wrote this like ridiculous note like I don't want anything to do with you like you know you've like dragged me into this and I can't get myself out and all this like crap and I remember just like sitting there and I was actually picking – it was very depressing but I remember picking up – I had like a glad bag, you know those big black glad bags – And I remember picking up like the remnants of this thing. And I thought like, I was, I just remember like crying my eyes out because I felt like I actually failed myself and my son. I was like, I couldn't even keep it together for him. And I was just like picking up all my fucking like stuff, you know, in this bag. And I had nothing. And I was picking up these burnt photographs, photographs I'll never get back, by the way. Like these are memories that I can never, ever, ever get back. And I just remember feeling like so destitute, like almost like I was just living an out of body like experience. And I was just so fucking sad. And I remember like I went home to mum and I lived with my mum for a bit and she was a good help. But like I remember just thinking like, man, it was, so, it was so sucky at the time, but it was actually looking back on it now, it was like one of the best things that ever happened. And when I told the police actually after all those things had happened, they had said to me that like, you know, we can't really do much about it. You'd have to take him to court. And it was like, what the fuck? Like, my jewellery was stolen. My car was smashed. Like, even to this day, there has been no, like... Isn't nothing. that great, the police? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like... Fucked, yeah, isn't it? It's like when they... you really need them. Oh, yeah, and I yeah. made it, like, I, I remember one time... I heard they're just um, armed tax collectors, or is that just me? But, you know, what's so bizarre is that when I was actually 16... I remember when we were living together, actually a domestic violence um, order was like, put, like someone had called because I, they could actually hear him like yelling at me and they were like, you know, frightened because they could hear me crying as mm. well. And the police did nothing. They were like, well, she's 16 now. So she's at the age of consent. So like that was, 
that was really bizarre um, that they didn't do anything. And like, you know, I brought it back to them. I'm like, look, these things are burnt. And they were like, but we can't prove beyond reasonable doubt that he did it because we weren't called to the scene. And I'm like, what the fuck though? Like he did this. Like I know that this person did it, but because they weren't there to see it, like who the, what, who in their right fucking mind is going to burn fucking all that shit and do all that shit in front of the police? You know what I mean? Well, well, well that's the thing. Like, un- unfortunately it's like, they're not going to, do anything to help you they don't yeah. care yeah you know what i mean so it's like you want someone that'll care and will try and fight for you oh yeah in that position but they're not there to fight for you that's it they're just there to do a job and i realize that I'm, sh- I'm sure you'll get cops that will though but oh yeah but i like, mean they're, they're quite rare and it's also and it's also like so past the point but that's kind of when i realized that i have to like fight for myself in a lot of ways like i realized that I was the only person who was going to get myself out of that situation and I was the only person who was going to get my son out of that. And I was like, this isn't even... I felt like it wasn't even his son at the point. And a lot of people were like, isn't that painful? And they spoke about, like, you know, giving up for adoption. I'm like, no, that's my son. Like, because when I was pregnant, like, I knew that that was my son. Like, I had carried him and that was, like, my son and I didn't give a shit who was going to be there because I thought, well, the next person who's going to come around is going to want to stay for me and my son, even if it's not theirs. Like, it wasn't a big thing. And so, yeah, I think, like, that was a big turning point and, like, really character building in a lot of ways because – and then I started, like, you know, going to the gym and looking after myself and, like, kind of taking that back because I thought – I want to take that back for myself because that was something that was like robbed from me for so long. Like I felt like very... Looking after yourself. Yeah. Caring about yourself. Yeah. Because you, you know, you're like, you're made to feel like you're not even a person and you're worthless. No, yeah. you're worth yeah. queen. It's almost like, you, yeah, you have to learn how to, that you're yeah. actually valuable. Yeah. And I remember like I was, I was quite big. I think I was like 130 kilos in my heaviest after having my son. And now I'm like sitting at like <laughs> big, 70. Big chungus. I'm sitting at like 72, 73. Fucking well done. Thank you. And I was like, nah, like if it's going to happen, it's going to start with me. And like, I can't sit around moping and like crying over a person who frankly couldn't even give a shit about me or his own kid for that, for that matter. So I think that was like a big turning point in my life and probably why I do community services. I'd love to work with women who are in and, and men because it happens to men whether people like to think about it or not. People who work in domestic violence because it is so important and it's something that affects all of us. Are you a part of any groups at the moment that talk to mothers that are involved in domestic domestic violence because i know there are some out there no i know but i'd love to get involved with them i'll, I'll help you get involved with a few i, I know some good. yeah i know a guy who's, yeah. who's involved in some so that i'll get you awesome. in touch with them that sounds awesome but yeah i'd love to work with people who've been through it because i think women especially i think uh and for men too but i think women especially like they're already in such a position where i think a lot of the time it's like a very big power dynamic and like, man, <laughs> I remember seeing this meme one time and it was like, it made me laugh. It was like, um, you know, there's this, uh, it's like, if, if I'm following any of your abuses, it was like, um, tell me and I'll, and then someone had like caught over it and it was like, fucking kill them. I'm like, that's me. Like, I fucking hate abusers. Like, I don't give a fuck if you're a female. I don't give a fuck if you, if you identify as a fucking alien. If you're an abuser, you deserve to be fucking treated horribly. Like, you deserve to have what's coming to you and it will come to you because I believe that genuinely. Like, I don't believe in any... Mashallah. I don't believe in any karma. I don't believe in any higher powers. But let me tell you something. I believe in people being their own form of self-destruction. And I think those people crumble under their own weight. 
truly. Mm. And they deserve, they deserve every single fucking second of it. And if they don't get it, you know, that's why we have James. <laughs> that's it. The enforcer. Hell yeah. That's why I'm here. Yeah. So yeah. Where's the trigger? People are their own, uh, I think people are very responsible for what they do with their circumstances in life. And I think you can turn it around. And like for people who say that you can't or that you're not capable of doing it, it's like you have to prove to yourself. And that's the hardest part. But honestly, when you get on the other side of that, it feels a lot better. It's very freeing. And I think that for me was what I don't forgive uh, Mike for what he did to me. And I don't forgive him for what he did to our son. But well, for my son, it's not even ours, my son. But it's something that I can teach him to to lead by example that you shouldn't ever be doing that to someone and I can change it and make other people feel good and to give them the warning signs and to educate. I think people, I think young girls should be educated, to be honest with you. I think we waste so much money, taxpayer money is wasted on these fucking useless programs when people should be taught self-defense in school. People should be taught, you know, the signs of grooming. People should be taught, taught the signs of toxic relationships and abusive relationships, even between friends. Friends can be toxic influences and they wonder why kids are bullied. They wonder why kids are depressed. Like, if we could make these programs accessible for children, I think it would definitely help and i think our children are like some of the most vulnerable people in our society i think you're onto something there (laughs) maybe you're the one to do it maybe it's it's definitely with like um as well with like i this is gonna sound bad um i this is gonna sound really fucking bad i feel like grooming is so much easier now that like every kid social media yeah and every kid has a smartphone yeah and you've got tiktok and all that stuff. yeah 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 and like I feel like it's so much easier now compared to like back in the day when kids didn't have mobile phones, like to contact them, you would have to ring the house. Yeah. And then like the parents could be like, who the fuck are you? Like you fucking pedophile. And it's a convenience thing too, isn't it? We live in a time where we're supposed to be so connected, but we're so disconnected in a lot of ways from a lot of things. And and it's the convenience because, you know, you, it's a swiping culture. You can pick and choose. And, and a lot of girls, to be honest with you, these days... Uh, they overestimate their current market value. I think a lot of girls... <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> no, but a lot of girls also look older than what they are. Like, I mean, I've known girls who are... They, they tell me they're fucking 15 and I'm like, you look like you're like 20. Like I think that's... Because um, of how they dress. Like Yeah, well, that, it's the whole TikTok, Instagram thing, right? Yeah. They're not wearing their hijab. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> Um, but but this is the thing, like, um, I guess as a parent, right, mm. you can only do so much to stop it, but you should be able to stop that, right? But I, it's almost like a it's like a wave that's coming through. It's like a tsunami. Yeah. So you can only do so much. You can either ride it or you can like try and go against it. Really. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to say. It's like something. To, it's definitely food for thought. But I mean, I wonder at what point you know, people have this accountability and responsibility. Like I said, everyone wants to deal with the after effects of grooming. Like, you know, the actual court cases when people have been seriously traumatized, where the fuck's the prevention? Where the fuck is there like in between? Because women, especially, uh, and men, they feel like they can't do anything about it because frankly, some people don't give a shit. Like unless you have literally had those court orders, unless you have literally been beaten and battered, people don't fucking believe you. All you need is someone who believes you and who actually wants to help. I think that's a huge thing. And I think these people need to be brought to justice. I think there is no justice in injustice, you know. And I think if we let these people continue to do these things, we need to lead by example, I believe. Like, 
I think that if we continue to let this shit go, like where do we leave our youth, you know? Like it's it's just going to keep happening and then we only want to question why it happens. Well, I'll tell you fucking why, you know? We live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> Joker. Uh, yeah. That said, um, how's your training going? My training? Yeah. What do you do? Do you lift weights or? Yeah, I've I've kind of given I've kind of given it a bit of a rest, but at the my at my peak, I guess I was doing a lot of like lifting. I was lo- I was like loving powerlifting. powerlifting. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was Fuck loving yeah. it. And what um, do you lift? What's your squat? What's your deadlift? Oh, I think my deadlift at one point was 120. Fuck yes. And my squat I think was around 95. Okay, from memory. good. That, that's some serious numbers. I was obsessed with it. No, I was like seriously looking but your at bench. like. Not as good. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> it wasn't something I particularly did either. Like I just kind of would go with like one of my friends who actually like she legitimately is a powerlifter, um, and her husband. Well, actually. you're a powerlifter too. <laughs> with those numbers, um, I loved it. I loved it. I loved feeling strong, and because I think I was so used to carrying around a lot of weight, it was a lot easier. Right, but now right. I'm honestly just enjoying cleaning. I fucking love cleaning. <laughs> like the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I love lifting up a bottle, and I, I love. I, it's it's the perfect so, woman. <laughs> the, the I just want to. I just want to make brownies for everyone. I actually made you guys brownies. <laughs> They're in my bag. Get I made out. you guys brownies. Get them out. Yeah, fucking yeah. yeah here. Fuck I made them can in I like even two eat it? They, they better yeah. be. Not gonna make me see aliens and shit. Is it? No, no. They better be They're moist. Not edible. I yeah. Sorry, they're like badly cut, but here's oh, like. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to hang on. I'll have to have these um, after abseiling tomorrow. They've been badly cut, so I do apologize. Thank I just you. kind of like move them, but they are. Moving some, moving I promise weight, they are not edible. They are not. Unfortunately, not. <laughs> they're not special ones. Yeah. No. I, I, thank I you so much. You're welcome. No, no worries. Yeah. But yeah, no. Um, so that I'm just kind of doing that. I'll probably get back into something soon. I'm just kind of like looking around and saying things because I'd like to do something that's a bit more fun rather than just like because I felt like with power like lifting you have to really keep like at it otherwise you really lose a lot. I think yeah. like a lot of patience, a lot of skill. Like I had a I think it was like two or three weeks off because I was just like feeling sick at the time and I just felt like I couldn't get back into it. Well, look, that's just a, that's a state of mind. Yeah, you always can get back into it. Yeah, all you have to do is like one set of squats. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't even have to be heavy. Yeah, and then you're in it again. Yeah. Right. Um, also, what you could do is you could join a gym that does classes. Yeah, I've been thinking about it for sure. Great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go back into that's, it. That's that's what I've done. Yeah. It's and because I'm I'm lazy, <laughs> right? I don't I don't like to train. I just kind of have to. Yeah. So if I jump in a class, it's like I don't have to think. There's someone shouting at me. There's music, and then mm-hmm. I go home and I feel great. So yeah. That's, that's another option. I always love that endorphin rush that you get after finishing a workout. It's like you feel like such shit going into it, and then after it, you're like, oh, thank god I did that. H- have you ever trained in an altitude chamber? No, I've heard about it though. Is it good? Yeah, it is. So it's it, bogus it, it, science. It's bogus. Who gives a shit about the science, dude? Here we go. Here's the rivalry. Debate time. It's because of the studies. Studies about it. uh, You know what? Um, I I could talk about the studies. Uh, I've got the I've got the documents. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's go. I I don't want to get into it though because I don't really care. Pussy. Um, (laughs) But it simulates three thousand five hundred feet or meters above sea level, where the oxygen's really thin. Yeah. So first time I did it, I did like mentally, I didn't think I would get through the class, which was like fifty minutes. Yeah. Mentally, I can get through a lot of things, right? Like with my background with martial arts and all that sort of stuff. But um, I nearly, I I was going to quit two thirds of the way through 
but when I was when it was over, I was I was on cloud nine. Yeah, right. And then I went back the other day, and I've never experienced anything like it before. It was really good. That's bizarre. So, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Fair enough. Altitude yeah. training. I've actually been hiking at some higher altitude places, so that'd be interesting to to do that. Where whereabouts? Nepal. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll tell you. Like, actually, for, what, with for your, nursing, with your baby and everything. For no, 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 no. Before, before I had my son. Okay. Okay. I did like a nursing program, where he's like three. For like clarification, now he's like turning three in August. But uh, okay, I'm I used to dealing with five-year-olds, <laughs> so three is a bit. That sounds like running around everywhere, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That's my training. Three. I run around. He's yeah. so active too. Like he's yeah. just like running everywhere. That, that sounds about right. It's like he's like he's an active child. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, he keeps me on my feet. Um, but when I was doing that before, I went actually on this like Doctors Without Borders almost trip. And I went to like Southeast Asia. So, like I was going to like places like Nepal. I was going to Cambodia. I, I was going to, to the to Philippines. Nepal. The Philippines was like – and I was the seeing Philippines. so much. And I was helping out and saw the hospitals there. But Nepal was beautiful. Nepal actually we were like I think maybe two or three hours from the Himalayas. Uh, past Kathmandu and I remember we were sitting on this mountain and I fucking heard this like throat singing in like one and two in the yeah, morning yeah. and I'm like fucking hell. it's it was otherworldly and it was so cold and I remember just being like huddled in these things and it was like a walk up from the village that we were going to it was like a day's walk and I remember thinking oh fuck this shit fuck this shit and I had like a bag on and I remember like there were so many points where we had to stop because the higher the altitude gets, obviously, you know, you stop. But we're up on this mountain. I'm thinking it's so fucking beautiful up here. Like and at night too, because there's no light pollution, you can just see this like crisp sky. Like it's most clear I've ever seen a sky. Mm. And like, oh, the people there are wonderful. They're so hospitable. And you see some really interesting things like in the Philippines, you see poverty and you see like. I saw a 12 year old girl who was giving birth to her second child with a 56 year old man. Where's the grooming things there? Oh, wow. But, you know. But yeah, that's something you kind of see a lot um, as a Philippine. tourism. As, yeah, as a Filipino veteran like me. You've uh, been to the Philippines? Twice. Why? Hmm? Because in Southeast Asia, there's, like, of all the places, the Philippines teach English in schools, so getting around is quite easy. Mm. And I also love pork. I love fucking pork. And Philippines, you love rather, fucking pork. Yes. So, so yes. At, the, at the time of recording, it's it, it's unfortunately you guys are going to hear this a month later, but it is the month of Ramadan right now. So to all our Muslim brothers and sisters, I sincerely apologize for coach. Uh, I'm not going to say coach anymore. We'll coach James. Monday I start coaching again. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, Getting those. Yeah, I don't. I don't work at that place anymore, so I don't have to worry about them. We used to work at Bankstown. Mm, I love yeah. Bankstown. They're my people. I lived in Lakemba for a certain amount of time, so uh, like the I, lake. I'm no, I know like the area. You know what I'm saying? That area. Yeah. Well, I dated a Muslim girl for a, for a few years, so I basically turned into one. How, how'd that I go did. for you? I turned into a Muslim guy, not a Muslim girl. Yeah. Can Can I be honest? I feel like Muslim women after they have Ramadan, their fucking skin and hair is amazing after. I'm like, what the fuck? Like they've done fasting. all this fasting, yeah. and they've done. They've just got like the most beautiful skin, the most Meh. radiant glow. I don't know. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I love the I love the Arabs. They're fucking awesome. I guess. Well, snack pack. Yeah, that's Let's do it. it. Camel snack pack, gang. Don't mention it for for the for the Ramadan listeners, but uh, I would kill for a snack pack. But anyway, let's continue. What you were saying about the Philippines? Well, they all speak English, and it's really easy to get around there. So they're like national. Their national dish is like something called crispy pata, which is basically a deep fried pork knuckle, 
and mm. it's delicious. And they also they do something called Lashon, which is like slow roasted pig. It's amazing. Do you know what I remember most about having Filipino street food was the fucking deep fried banana. Have you had that? How good is that? Don't they do oh. they used to do that at fish and chip shops? Um, banana fruit. No, 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 but the way they do it. No, is the way they do it is so different. Really? Yeah. And they like car- it's like caramelizes almost in their stove. It's like, oh my it's like sex. It's like sex on a stick. You don't even have a stick, you often have it in like a little leaf. Mm, it's like having an orange up your ass. Yeah. It's just something that really gets you going. I gotta tell you, like <laughs> once you see the orange up your ass, like watching any porn do you just, still, it doesn't come close. Do you, you know? still do you still eat oranges? Happily. I mean, look, I I've 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 experimented. I could fit a few oranges up my ass. That's like it. why back, not? Backwards eating. Yeah. Reverse eating, less Reverse calories. eating, yes. South Park. Hell yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna sell all my crypto and let's just go to Nepal and fucking throat sing. No, Hell yeah. how, about, how about Mongolia instead? That's where the, the throat singing OGs are. I want some elevation. Is there enough elevation up there? In Mongolia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's got to be. Can we wrestle in Mongolia? Bro, I'll, can you get in their traditional clothes as well? Like the cloaks that they have? Oh, no, so, whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in. So there's a guy I follow on Instagram and um, there's a guy I follow on Instagram and he wants to be... So there's a, there's a style of wrestling in Mongolia called Bok and... Um, so you've got to do, there's this special like neck piece called uh, a janga, or uh, I'm, they're probably going to kill me because I've mispronounced it, but it's like a very colorful, yeah, you're going to fucking die. <clears throat> there's a very colorful neck piece. And so to win or to get a janga, you have to win nationals in Mongolia. So basically it's called a nadam, but there has to be a minimum of a thousand people enter. And then if you oh. win all of that and there's no weight classes, so there's one winner. So this guy, his name's Marshall. He wants to be the first foreigner to win a Jenga, mm. and it's uh, it's incredibly rare. Like you see, uh, not incredibly rare because they, there's a lot of. We'll get Shane to jump in. Yeah. Oh, he'd probably do alright. He'll fucking wreck everyone, dude. Yeah. We, our, our Iranian mate Shane. So. He's a weapon. We're getting Shane to Mongolia. Yeah. The Iranian Hulk. Have you guys seen him? Yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. dude's like built with the neck and all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I want to yeah. know what he's on. He's just not natty. He's on. He's spinach. on the resentment for Ayatollah and what they did to the Iranian people in the seventies, post pre-revolution. I was gonna say post, he's on that actually, Palau wait. snack packs, maybe. Maybe actually, I mean, wouldn't surprise me. Maybe some mixed Palau snack packs in there, Auburn kebabs, you know. New star, you know what it is. We need to get like a few sponsors. I think like you guys need like. Maybe like a new a snack star. pack. New star. Bang. Bang, yeah. Bang so maybe a vape sponsor for maybe Harris. Yes. Maybe Harris Farm for the oranges as well. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> Have a bag of oranges every uh, every potty. Yeah, maybe we need to get sponsored by a metal factory so we can make our own sounding devices. Nice. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's just me. Or maybe aluminium like, foil companies so that when you have more conspiracy theorists on, you can make your little tinfoil hats. Yes. That's it, yeah. Like you need sound, Alex Jones sounding, on here. Sounding bar? Yeah. Well, we've got our own Alex Jones, don't we? Oh, that, that'll be coming Smokey out Joe. before this. Old Smokey Joe, shout out. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I've been excited to come on the podcast. I thought I would actually have a very boring story to tell, but I think I've actually done fairly okay. You have. You Thank have. You. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, thank you so much for your time. No worries. It's thank been you a for pleasure. having me. Honestly, <laughs> it's been great. I think um, you know the the way you're going, what you've been through, and sort of the ideas you have. Really, really cool shit. 
Thank you. Yeah. I think yeah. you, you think like the stuff you're thinking about now, you know, you could potentially change the world. So it's really important. Look, when Think I do, globally, act locally. I'll uh, sponsor the pod. I'll sponsor the potty. Oh yeah, oh I'll yeah. I'll get you so many sponsors. It'll be like Joe Rogan on crack. We'll better, that. even on better. bang. That's it. We'll on get that. Bang. We'll get that grooming education money. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. We we'll do it. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>